I still remember my yeah. my favorite memory of you is <laughs> you would always get so excited. Like you you were also uncompromising. You were you, and we would all, we would play. Uh, wrestling on the PlayStation, yeah, yeah. And you would go nuts. You, hey. <laughs> you would go nuts, dude. Good, Eric. I, I've got, I've got. This is the perfect segue because I've been telling people and my girlfriend that you haven't met yet, Chelsea. I've been telling her because sometimes we'll be singing out here on YouTube, uh, like something's happening, and we'll be singing right. And my voice is terrible now, right? When I try and sing, I'm bad. But I tell her when I was younger, when I was younger, this is fine. Yes, I have proof. When I was younger, I could sing and I had a falsetto. And no one, she doesn't believe me. And some of my friends don't believe me when I say I used to be able to sing. Yeah. There was this one time at youth camp, uh, YFC in like 2008, 2007. The weekend, I was just going ham at that youth camp, laughing, um, screaming. We were trying to sing on top of that. And I lost my voice. Do you remember? Yes. I have proof. I, I, someone that can so agree. yeah, like obviously your voice now has changed. You you have uh, your voice is deeper, but yeah. I remember when your voice is up up uh-huh. here, and you you were you would you would dance, you would just <laughs> sing all the time. <laughs> yes, you were just I, full of energy, you know, I uncompromising. The, <laughs> I love that. I have the approval when I say that. I I used to sing. But then I, I'm like, maybe God didn't want me to sing because I would have used it in a bad way, you know, like. <laughs> but I have the I have someone that can attest to it that I lost it that youth camp. Yeah, I, yeah. And then well, your voice cracked, but it didn't crack till <laughs> late till later. Like yeah. it's like some people's voice cracked like when they're 13, 12, but you already like yeah, 15, how old are you? Six, 15, yeah, 16. 14, 15. Yeah, I remember that. It was already late. But yeah, anyway, I remember that. Yeah, I remember you used to be able to sing. Yeah. But I don't know. If, maybe, you can, maybe you can still sing. I, no, I can't. I can't. That's the thing. But, you know, when people's voice crack, they somehow adjust and are able to um, bring that voice back. But in a deeper way, mine's just bad. I can't sing anymore. Well, you have to show yeah. the world right now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> give, me, give me a taste. We'll do it later. I'll get yeah, you yeah, the, later. the bass. And do we'll it later. Do it. I love that. If you're new to this channel, Welcome to another episode of Word From Home. On this show, we speak to athletes, artists, and creatives to share their personal success stories to inspire those out there, myself included, to pursue their passions and their purpose with whatever it takes. And for those unsure of what that is right now, hope this episode could spark that idea for you or that dream to just start or to just keep going. Today's special guest is someone that I've always looked up to with the way he can hold a room, how funny he is, how charismatic he is growing up through the church and through youth. He's a bassist playing on some of the biggest stages in the US with some of the world's major artists. He's the founder of Pitch Meeting, which is featured on Forbes, Billboard and Bass Magazine. He's a dream chaser and maker, my Koya Eric Fortalesa living in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome. <laughs> and I, introductions are... are uh... It's it's nice to talk to someone, uh, at least in a professional sense, in this way that I've known for a long time. Because, well, people that I meet here, I've only known for about two years, really. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. it's nice to be like, wow. Uh, it, it's a nice reminder to to be able to go. 
like uh, what I talked to you before was like, I wonder if I was consistent mm. or did I know what I was talking about or did I mean what I say or am I still chasing the same thing? Because you forget, you forget that words have power and are you, you're accountable for these words. And my point of that is even to the point where you're young, someone's looking up to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't, sometimes you don't realize it because you're just living. Yeah. You know? You're just living. So, so I wonder, and I hope that um, those words that whatever words I've, I don't even remember the <laughs> stuff I've shared with you or the advice I've given you, but whatever words I've said back then, I hope whatever I'm doing now has, uh, has affirmed those many different advice that I, that I've given you. And I, maybe, if, maybe it hasn't, maybe I've grown and changed, who knows? No, but the things that you used to tell me, I remember you would say things about like decisiveness when it came with girls, like they need to be decisive and just little things that, you know, uh, at your age, when you were in your twenties already, that you were going to do this and that you actually were able to, you actually went and did it. You know, some people will say things, but they don't actually put action towards it. Yeah. Like uh, that's what I mean by words of power. I think uh, yeah. that's when, I guess when, you know, obviously when I first, when we first got to know each other, um, it was through youth and it was through the church and um, many of the advice and the conversations that would always happen within there will always be about career dating and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And I think when I, and I, I, I do remember that. I do remember that the stuff that I would talk about is decisiveness. Mm-hmm. And by that, I hope what I meant is at least, at least someone that, at least someone that knows exactly what they want, even, and what, by that, I also mean, even if they don't know, they're not messing around. Yeah. They're not saying that they're not lying. Then one, they're not lying. And one, two, they're not covering up from their lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Decisiveness doesn't mean always knowing what to do. Decisiveness is being uh, honest with, be, with saying, man, I'm lost, man. I am, I am currently lost for words or I don't know what to do right now. That's what I mean by decisiveness. Yeah. And I guess as a young kid, at least what we would talk about, it, it, let's see if we can connect what it was before and what yeah. it is now. Yeah. At least back then of trying to find someone that you want to date or you know, someone that you want in your life. Yeah. I think it, it, gets, it gets muddy because we get we, the, the tangibility of what we're chasing sometimes is bigger than bigger than uh what we should be chasing sometimes we just want a partner sometimes we just want i just want someone i just want a relationship i just want to be famous i just want to have a career i just want to make this i just whatever it is and when we just chase the it we forget the why you know mm-hmm. and i guess that's why as a at least I was, I would say I was a leader to you back sure. then um, when I would give that advice. I think that's what I meant. Like find someone decisive because mm-hmm. if, if you're, it's hard because you waste a lot of time. You would, you could, and I'm sure, um, you know, our relationships and I don't know what you've been through in your life. And there's many things that I've been through in my life. At least if we go in the route of relationships, you know, like we have, been hurt or wasted a lot of time, or at Mm -hmm. least we've seen other people in our lives that have wasted a lot of time 
with people that aren't decisive. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. We've seen I, it. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, from the time, you know, in my 20s, I've really learned that. I've seen a lot of people come and go. Um, and I've also seen people that, like we were saying, aren't decisive or aren't sure of what it is, but they're, they're not honest with themselves in regards to it. At least being honest with yourself and saying I'm lost and then working on building something so that you can work on yourself mm -hmm. or, you know, find those things that make you happy, um, I think is most important. Oh, dude, I, I, I definitely agree. It's that that's I think decisiveness can sometimes feel like it's a it's a trait that's hard to reach. And people think that they have to always know what they're doing. Yeah. All I mean by that is being honest at the situation that you're at. Mm. You know, yeah, being like honest. It, it, it's, it's tiring. I mean, at least from what I, so one one of the other, one of the many lessons I learned in my life, one one of them would be. Of course, it's easy to learn from your own lessons. Of course, it's easy to learn from your own experiences. Mm -hmm. But you know what's harder to do and requires more work is to learn from other people's mistakes. For sure. You know, it's hard because you, yeah. it feels like you want to be the one that goes through it. You have to be the one that goes through that situation. And I get it. But what's even harder is being able to empathize or at least go in someone else's shoes and go, I wonder what I can learn from someone's mistakes or someone's direction. Absolutely. And I've, I was surrounded by too many people that have had so many dreams. And then I saw nothing. Mm -hmm. I was like, I saw a lot of people that go, I want to, I want to start a food truck. I want to start a restaurant. I want to start this. I want to start a blah and this. And, and I'm, I would hear all these dreams yeah. and all, and, but I don't see any action. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just all dreams. And then mm -hmm. I was like, what do I want? Is that, do I just, and I, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to bad mouth anyone, but at least looking back to it now, all the people that I at least met, along the way that have told me all their dreams and what they all wanted to do. They aren't doing it. Yeah. You know, and I understand why. And I'm, I'm not saying that if you didn't follow your dreams, you're a failure. No. I just understand how I, I hope I understand how life works. Yeah. But, you know, I guess it, it's a bit more insight and I, I use it as a tool and a weapon to be able to pursue whatever I wanted. Of course, learning from others that have done the same. That's what I feel like. That's what I'm doing currently at the moment. I, and every week that I'll be speaking to people that I look up to or inspire me, I feel like I'm just soaking all that energy. You know, I'm just <laughs> surrounding myself with all the, all of them so that I can, you know, in my head, I, I shouldn't lack down. I should keep going. Uh, I'm going to, I want to do all the things that I want to do and not just talk about it. Yeah. But, um, First and foremost, how have you been during this pandemic, post-pandemic in Nashville? Uh, well, I just to give a recap, I lived my, most of my entire life in, in Australia. Yeah. And I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, July 2019. Mm -hmm. So there was no pandemic yet. And I yeah. toured the world, did all that. And March 2020, we all got the phone call. I was actually in Amsterdam or Berlin. Well, we were... We were playing some arena and um, we were just partying there. And out of nowhere that weekend, Trump was like, everyone go home. And we're like, okay. And then we're <laughs> like, oh, but we'll be back by May. May yeah. comes, May 2020 comes, nothing. We'll be back by July. 
May, July 22, nothing. And it, it, it rolls on a bit like that. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been living in Nashville since then and I've uh, been trying to figure out all the different ways how to survive, uh, how, how, to, how to keep pursuing what I love yeah. um, throughout whatever it is that comes my way. Of course. And that would have been tough uh, for Yeah, so Koya lives in here in um, around, he used to live here in Blacktown, grow up here his whole life. But Western him Sydney, to go, dude. In Sydney, yeah, in Western Sydney. And for him to go out to Tennessee at the time of a pandemic, and if people don't know, creatives get hit hard, as in musical artists, um, people performing in the arts, sorry, the people performing in the arts, they get hit hard um, when a pandemic and everything's locked down. So how was it for you during that time? Well, um, because I that would have been months, right? That would have been months of no gigs, no. I don't know how it is. Okay, well, so I would say, I could say I'm fortunate, and I could use all this stuff as as a way that to say that I survived. But I also put myself in a position. So the the, the greatest advice my sister there's two my sister has given me many many different advice, but one of the best advice she's ever given me that helped me was. Uh, have a rainy day fund. Mm. And I'm like, what does that mean? It's like, all it is, is about uh, look at it as, so if you get fired at a job, let's say, if you get fired at a, at a job that you, you know, you start, you bought, you oh, I get, I get a promotion. I got this big, get, got this great paycheck. Fine. Then you buy a house, you, you buy a car and then you start spending exactly what you have on this paycheck that you have. Yep. Now, what happens if you get let go of that job? The bills don't stop. Mm-hmm. Your mortgage doesn't stop. Your ha- your pay your car repayments don't stop and your groceries don't stop. That keeps going or your rent, whatever it might be. So, what a great advice of why having a rainy day fund of at least 3 a quarter or let's say 3 months of your income. Yep. Right? You set that aside, give you different scenarios of what happens if you don't have something like this. So it's three months of your savings. And what it does is this. If you get fired from your job, the first thing that someone would do, or if you lose a job or you break a leg or whatever, if you don't have insurance or whatever it might be, or you you lose an opportunity that you're doing, your bills don't stop. And one of the first things someone would do if they don't have a rainy day fund is panic. Mm -hmm. They would they're in a position where they're backed against a wall and they would, they would rush to make sure they find a job or at least something that's going to cover whatever it is they lost. Yeah. And if they're in the position like that, if they're in a state of panic or not in a good position mentally, they will most likely make the wrong decision. The likelihood of making a wrong decision or not the best decision for whatever situation they're in is higher, right? But let's say you do have, you know, you might, you might go, oh, I'll sell this, I'll sell the TV and I'll mm. sell the car and uh, I'll, whatever. It might, I'll just take this job for now. And they might take a job that they, that they don't like and they'll, they hate, they'll hate themselves or they'll, they'll be resentful at the job that they're at. Or they're like, oh, I'm just here because I lost my other job. I'll find a better job one day. Yeah. Yep. But if you have a rainy day fund that at least lasts for three months or that's the wage, your wages for three months, this is what happens when an emergency happens or you lose your job you get fired on day one now you have 90 days to just be like well 
I can actually go on a holiday <laughs> in the first 30 days. Yeah. My bills continue to get paid. Yeah. My mortgage gets paid. My car gets paid. Like anything that whatever bills I have, they continue to get paid. I can actually go on a break. I can physically just breathe. Even if I wanted to go on a holiday for a month, I can do that. Yeah. And if I even if I went on a holiday on a month, now I have two months to look for the right job or plan for the next step. So um, I have been I have been fortunate enough to put myself in a position where I'm fine, mon- like just at least financially. Yeah. Therefore, when the pandemic happened, I was like, whatever. I'm not panic. I'm not panic. <laughs> no panic at all. You had, no, you had you know, you know, like, but that's that requires a lot of foresight mm-hmm. to be able to like to to not plan for anything like that is foolish. To over plan is to over plan and not take any risk is risk. also dangerous. Of course. It needs to be a right right balance. But what Beautiful. I'm saying is whatever rainy day fun I had, it's allowed me to survive the entire way. Yeah. You know, it's I love like, that. you know, and it, it really has. And I forget to give that advice to people because of course, whatever, whatever um, uh, goals that I'm doing now and the stuff that I'm doing now. Great. You know, yes. Tennis, like a, uh, the U S have, has opened up at least with gigs. But my point is that I do forget sometimes to give that advice yeah. that, if you don't have something like that, you will panic. Yeah, you will panic, and you will take a job that you may not like. Mm. Um, how how long did it take until like a gig came about for you through the months from the time you left? Um, what was it? Uh, what? well, the artist that I played for, Lindsay L, yeah. had a few different virtual gigs and virtual sessions okay. and live performances. I mean, online live performances. So. Uh, those things sort of happened around that time and maybe some private events here and there, but nothing major to the point where you're back. Um, I think official touring would have started like when everything really opened up would have been a year late. Hold on. Where are we now? 2021 now, right? So March, 2020, I think it would have been March, March, yeah, March, a year later, March 2021 wow. was when real gigs started returning. Yeah, wow. You know, so yes, it's still not complete because there's still a lot of different protocols. Some some parts of the country aren't, aren't as completely open, but just to give it a year like that, to, to have continued back, that's how long it took. Yeah, that's crazy. It was a full year and you, you're, you were just talking about three months of rainy day fun. But you yeah. went the full year. <laughs> yeah. Well, that well that the you can make anything last. But um, I had yeah. my rainy day fund that lasted me a year. A year. Yeah. You made it happen. So it just, that's another yeah. thing. You just made it happen, regardless. But I think that that's an awareness that we all need to have, regardless of what, uh, what career path you're taking. You know, mm. like I I think it's one. It's respon- It's responsible to yourself, and if you have a family. If you have people you're mm, taking yeah. care of, that's true. Because it allows you to make better decisions. If you have, if you have a foundation that doesn't cripple you, yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, we were men- I mentioned that you're from Blacktown, Western Sydney, but let's take it back to the start. Where were you born, and a little bit about your upbringing from your side. So I was actually, you know, I'm Filipino. My background is Filipino. My I was born in the Philippines in Manila. 
Um, my parents moved when I was like nine, 10, around that age. Uh, that would have been like 1999, 2000. Um, and I, I, we moved to Sydney, Australia. I don't remember much of my life um, when I was between zero and nine or 10, because all you really did at that age was just video games, toys. That's all you really thought about. You don't, you don't really aspire anything tangible. Or if you did, it was something that you learned from uh, your parents. Like, doctor, I want to be a doctor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to be an astronaut. That's something, something yeah, yeah. bullshit like that. But um, it, <laughs> yeah, I, I learned, I found myself, you know, most people find themselves when they're teenagers around the teen, you know, I, yeah. biologically, it also like a lot of stuff sets in. But most of my uh, teenage life and adult life, I grew up, you know, I spent and learned in Western Sydney, Australia, in Black in Blacktown. And to the people that are not from Australia and to anyone listening that's not from, from over there, that would be like the, like, uh, hmm. the, it's not the ghetto. It's not, it's not the Bronx. How, the, be, how Brooklyn used to be. Kind of thing. yeah yeah maybe it, it would be like okay if la is like sydney would be la right yeah and then western sydney would be like south central uh, straight out of compton yeah south central <laughs> for sure yeah it would that's what it would be mm-hmm. yeah that that's the area of of where we're at um so a lot of immigrants a lot of uh, f- uh new, you know immigrant families very multicultural i feel and i'm glad actually i grew up in a multicultural little, in at mm-hmm. least school town environment, because yeah. it really, well, firstly, I love food. So I felt like I got to try <laughs> authentic Indian yeah. food, everything, authentic Malaysian food, authentic Thai food, authentic um, Nepalese food, yeah. Greek, uh, Afghan, Iraq, you know what I mean? Like you would, you get in Turkish, whatever yeah. you had the opportunity to try authentic food and food is, biologically such a needed thing but in terms of basing culture and that you share your time breaking bread with people i think is some of the most i i i highly i highly uh value even to the point how i live here now i make sure that at least once a week at least with my band we we have a communal Mm -hmm. communal um uh, spirit of eating together yeah it's because it's important for sure. It's a way of showing love. And I, I mentioned it before, and I, I just spoke to my Tita Lela and Tita Omar, who are there in their 70s now, um, that are Chilean. And they, I grew up with them. Andre, I grew up with. You might know Andre. He's around your age, Andre mm-hmm. Fushini. I grew up um, around Chileans. And I wouldn't trade it for, for the world. I have friends <laughs> that are, you know, Western Sydney. We have Samoan Tongan friends. We have everything. We are the citizen of the world in this one melting pot. And I would not trade it for the world because... Like you said, and the for me as well, the main thing was food. Like I, I, I can, I, I went to, I can go to someone's house and just have, um, you know, chivapis or something, or I can have, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I love it. It's the, it's awesome. It's, yeah. it's such a beautiful thing to be able to experience. Yeah, and it, and you don't get that culture shock when you go overseas and you go to no. these countries. You've already kind of experienced it in a Australian way. I also feel like it's a nice little reminder for uh i mean you choose to you choose to see it that way because obviously we have people that grow up in the same culture at the same uh 
environment, but then choose to still be resentful, choose to still be have no gratitude, choose to blame the world around them instead of Uh, looking from within. So it's still a choice regardless of it being accessible, you know, but I think, I think uh, having it easily accessible has been the most beautiful thing that I will never take it, take for granted because Nashville may not, Nashville compared to Sydney in terms of food, at least like there's good food here, of course, but compared to a multicultural, real multicultural city, ah, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's not. No, I I miss, I miss authentic food. Yeah. And that Nashville's in the South, right? Um, Yeah. We're right in the middle. um, I was going to ask how, how do you, you were mentioning, in your teenage years, that was kind of where you were finding yourself in a way, not finding yourself, but more the things that you may want to aspire to be or do. And you went, I know you went to Mitchell High School, right? <laughs> yes, Mitchell yeah. High School, damn, in and, Blacktown. Yeah, and so how did your actual musical uh, musical career or bass career start? So uh, how it started and at least why I'm here and why, you know, because we can... That, that's a long story, but if I can cons- make it concise a bit. Yeah, cons- um, so uh, joined the band back in high, back in high school. Um, like uh, a few of my Filipino friends, I was in a Filipino group. <laughs> Kevin Sanchez, Tunlin Nong. <laughs> I remember all the uh, boys. Kim Yabanez, yep. And I think that was the, the boys. I, think, I remember the boys. I, yeah, I think that was the band. We were in a band called Mystery Box when I was 16. But I kept going. I really fell in love with, with the bass and at least with music. But I kept pursuing it, be it pursuing it after college and doing all, I mean, pursuing it to study for uni and college, et cetera. But why I ended up here or why I feel there's always this calling to move to the States is because at least the music that I love and the music that was, you know, that I'm sending in my ears, I, you know, even if I'm listening to modern music, I have this, uh, I have this love for uh, history of why things are the way they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, going back, why why did I love John Mayer? Well, because I went back. Oh man, because he listened to Eric Clapton and Steve Ray Vaughan, and then these guys. Who did they listen to? Oh, BB King, Albert King, Freddie King. Who did they listen to? Oh, they were listening to like big jazz bands from like the 1940s. Who did they listen to? Oh, they were listening to classical music, etc., etc., etc. As no matter how much I keep going back, the music that always rippled within me would would come from atlanta yeah. would come from the Mo- detroit and motown yeah the country music being nashville the uh-huh. pop scene in la the jazz scene in new york the yep. blues scene in chicago the the jam band scene and and jazz scene in new orleans the yeah. like oh you know the list goes on the americana scene in tulsa oklahoma my, my point is the music that i enjoyed was here you know like it, all the all the best were brought up here mm-hmm. and i it was always a calling for me to be like i need to be there mm-hmm. and i think that that was the eventual goal and also at the same time even approaching it because that's a spiritual approach and that's beautiful but approaching it it has to be the right combination of two things uh to completely follow spiritually i'm not saying it's foolish but is limiting but to completely follow uh numerically doesn't have much life within it mm-hmm. so in terms of sure i'm following it spiritually in terms of 
in terms of what I want to do. But it's also, I'm looking at it as a, well, business-wise, uh, let's just say if whatever you do, if you want to start a business, you get 1% of the market. Let's just say you get 1% of the market, right? Like whatever you're selling, be it a phone, be it music, be it yeah. uh, food, whatever. You get 1% of the market. There's 21 million people in Australia. Yeah. We get 1% of the market. Mm-hmm. 201,000 people. That's that's a chunky amount of people. Yeah. But 1% of the US market, 1% of 300 million people. Yeah. That's 3 million people. Yeah. Like it's it's incomparable. For sure. It's like you can you can let's even look at NBA compared to uh NBL. What's our Australian yeah. one? NBL. Yeah. Whatever. Like the reason why uh LeBron would get what's his deal? What's his uh, uni deal? He's currently 40 plus million a year. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's five. That would be yeah. nearly the price of half of the NBL teams. For sure. Right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> My point is it's not that, but I'm not I'm not dissing Australia because they're bad at sport. Because if you think about it, Australia, in terms quite, of medal tally in the Olympics, we're, we're up there, good. man. We're quite we're good if you're going by. No, yeah. You know, but yeah, but but in terms of numbers of how to make it into a business, of course, the, the top best player in NBL is not going to get paid the same as LeBron because there's not enough people watching. 100%. Because, you know, my point is, it's also a calling for me to to like, well, business-wise, it's a good approach. Yeah. It's a good approach to be able to move and, and pursue a career of trying to get even 1% of 300 million people. But the thing that really woke me up in 2015, uh-huh. uh, one of my buddies who, um, who was one of my, who's still one of my heroes became a buddy. His name is Sean Hurley. You could, you, he's a bass player. Uh-huh. He's played for the last like four John Mayer albums. Yep. Something like that. And he's the bass, John's, John Mayer's Main. bass player. Okay. And, I, I was having just I was just hanging out with him in his studio in LA. This is 2015. And I didn't even live, I was just going back and forth, uh, Sydney, LA, and just visiting the States. And he said this. He was like, dude, you're a great guy, you're a great musician, and I can recommend you to gigs right now. Yep. But this is a proximity game. You don't, you're not here. Yeah. I can recommend you right now to some people that would love your playing. Or that uh-huh. would love what you do, yeah. but you're not here. So mm. that woke me up. So that ensured that I worked on every year. I would go back every year. I would go back to the States being like building networks, connections, etc. So by the time I did move here, I wasn't just like nobody. Yeah. But okay. at the same time, um, it also started from, I, that's a smart, you know, I, I said this in a, in another interview with Dunlop, which is a, a, company another brand guitar accessory brand yep because why i did that is the approach should be you know we we have this approach of hustle hustle strong work hard all the time and that's beautiful and i'm all for hard work Mm -hmm. always i i am i am never going to um say no to hard work but there's a difference between hard work and smart work you don't just work hard you got to work smart yeah. You can work hundreds and hundreds of hours 
on a ladder and climbing a ladder of of a, of a place you don't even want to climb. Yeah. I think that's another thing that you that's a thing that I got from you as well. I remember that's just like snap something. I remember you telling me some um that those exact words. Do you want to like, be it's it's I think yeah, it's like would you rather I would rather climb I think what I shared with you when I was like maybe 20. Yeah. I would rather climb a ladder that I I would want. Yeah. Then a ladder that I don't. That then a ladder that I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, well, I think no, it was more like I remember you telling me uh, I'd rather climb a ladder from the bottom that I really want to be climbing to the top for instead of starting from the middle of that ladder of a ladder that I do not want to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way the way I look at it now because the ladder analogy does work, but then I look at it like a garden. I look at it like a little garden that you have fruits and vegetables. Yeah. It's like you can work hard and uh, that at, at ensuring that you're taking care of this garden. But if it doesn't reap the right fruits, mm-hmm. it's pointless. I rather I rather take care of, take care of one little pot plant uh-huh. that will generate the fruit that I want. Mm-hmm. So work smart. Sure. There's all all like that's even why I'm why the pandemic has not phased me. Yeah. Because like, well, man, like, yeah, I can work hard and I could have, you know, all these people working hard for years, the moment the pandemic happened. Oh no. And I go, well, if you work smart, you'd be like, great. Next. I think of that as well. A lot of people were forced to have to pivot during that pandemic. Um, People are going to have to work in a different way than they were used to, Mm -hmm. but it makes a lot of sense to work smarter, not harder. And I've been learning yeah, a lot about that with the, and people have been telling me about the different things that they, we should be doing. And I, myself, instead of me thinking, I'm just going to um, work this nine to five, I'm looking, I'm looking of ways to increase, not just in wealth wise, but increase the things that I want to be doing um, for sure. The things that I actually want to be doing, not mm-hmm. things that I am stuck on in a way. Or even expect or socially expected to. Yeah. Or like, I, I'm sure that we, so that's exactly right. Socially accept, um, expected, expected to because our expected to because our parents, uh, I don't know about <laughs> your parents' situation or, but in a way, our parents, but it's different because they sacrificed, um, they sacrificed a lot to come out here and then yeah, immigrant you know, they parents, had to get a job. Way, that, that's what Jim Im- is yeah, talking about. Yeah. Immigrant parents. So, they sacrifice a lot to come out here and then whichever job that they get into, they, they aren't able, they can't think to do the things that you're doing right now, or like be able to pivot because they have so many things that they have to think of. So I, I told, I told my dad, I had a recent conversation with my dad about this mm-hmm. because um, you know, my dad may not be, you know, no one's perfect. And my dad has every flaw, like a human being, but I've learned many things from him. And um, one of the things that I learned from him that, you know, he was an Olympian. He was a boxer. He represented his country on, on the ring. Mm-hmm. And all I, I knew, for, I, I, he inspired me to make sure that whatever I pursued was Olympic level. Because mm, what's the point? The what, top. You know, like, why? Have do something? Yeah. There's no point. But I think I shared with this to him recently that, of course, I could have been, (laughs) 
I could have been the engineer and the doctor <laughs> and all this stuff and made a lot of money because they they gave up their life in the Philippines and gave up everything because I had 29 years. I let that all go and I moved here. Now imagining my parents at like mid 40s, everything they built, they gave up everything in the Philippines yep. and moved their entire life in Sydney uh-huh. just for their children yep. because they were already too late. It's not like they had you know, they could study again, et cetera. They were already yeah. like, this was for my children. But yeah. then I, you know, obviously you can compare and do all of this stuff and the generic Asian family buildup would be like, doc, you'll be doctor, you'll be a nurse, <laughs> be a nurse or whatever. But I told my dad, I go, dad, whatever it is that you instilled in me, whatever it is, that you taught me. Yeah, sure. My cousin who has a condo and ride and uh, has a Mercedes Benz mm. might technically, might, it's sorry. how might, you see it. And it might, there might be this perception that they are more uh, successful. successful. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but whatever you instilled in me, gave me, made me be able to face any fear and tackle it and be like, I want to chase my dreams. For you sure. allowed me to travel the world and live my dream. Live your life that you want to. Right? And, like, and that's no compromise. And Koya, for me, I, I believe that that's the most successful thing in the world that you, are, that you are chasing and pursuing the things that you love and you're happy with what you're doing. Because you could have all these things in, out here. I'm not saying, I'm sure your cousin might be happy to have the Mercedes and the condo and all that. But then in the back of his head, there's like a little hobby or a little thing that he loved to do back in the day. And he's not doing that no more. I don't know your cousin. So, yeah. So I remember even realizing this when I was younger that I was like, so a lot of people live their entire lives. So by the time they can retire, they can finally do what they love. Right. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, would, no. I don't care if I'm not set when I'm 65, yeah. but at least from 20 to whatever age that I retire. Like the thing is, I will never retire if, you do, if you're doing what you love. For sure. I you agree know, with like you. I, I'm doing what I love now. I get to chase everything whatever it is that I want to do and without compromise and I'm loving it. And I'm not even saying that like some people are very good at, some people are very good at this. And I notice this too. They sometimes lie to themselves. I'm like, yeah, I'm happy. A lot I'm of doing the, what I, you know, yeah. I'm happy. I'm doing this. I'm doing what I love. And I'm, I'm like, and I'm trying to be very genuine how I answer that question. I get to do whatever I want. Yeah. However I want, whenever I want. Right. It's, I I have no boss. Mm-hmm. Like no one gets to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I get to choose if I want to play on an arena or if I don't want to. Yeah. I get to be my own, my own boss. And I think that also came with this though. Now I can we can talk about the idea of uh of course we can compare and be like, well, the person chasing that has the Mercedes and has the condo. You know, that's not real success because real success is blah, doing what you love. But grass is greener in every single in For every sure. single side. Because I want to give right. you I want to give you an insight at least that even people that are doing that are rock stars and touring the world, some people hate what they're doing. Mm. 
Okay. It's it's not even about what they're what the what the thing is. When you say that they hate what they're doing, they just don't like being a drummer or what sorry, do you well they they're not the the pursuit and the mindset and attitude isn't isn't gratitude. It's well, it's a, it's a job. Anything okay. anyone can do anything, doesn't matter if it looks like an office. Doesn't matter if it looks like a stadium. Doesn't matter if it looks like uh, I don't know a restaurant yeah. uh, or a YouTube video or whatever it might be. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. You can turn that into a job, and you can turn that to something that just like, well, this is a job. It's a job. Yeah. In 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 whatever anyone in any level, mm-hmm. and I want to give insight to that to people that are that are think that think that people that are touring the world and on our tour buses and our rock stars are like, that's it. That's the dream because blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I know stories of some people that they just show up to the tour bus and then they're like, okay, head down. And then they play the gig and they don't mm-hmm. even really love the people who they play with because yeah. it's a job. It's a job. The, that's yeah. a, the, another example is just like NBA players that rock up, um, Everyone, you know, we, we dream to be in the NBA, like people that play basketball. Oh, that's the highest of highs. Some people there have no passion for the game. They're just there because of their talent. So I'm yeah. guessing that's what you're saying with some of these yeah. musicians. They're, it's the same. It's, it's a the job. Same. They, get, they love the lifestyle it gives them, the money yeah. it brings, but they don't love, yeah. they don't want to win a championship. <laughs> they don't want to be like, on the Olympic level a, that you're saying. Yeah, I don't need a championship if I have a $3 million deal. If sure. even NFL players like, oh, I just got a $30 million deal. I don't need a championship. I'm going to yeah. pay $30 million. I'm a big guy. So, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like they, we sometimes tend to think that, yes, Mike, who knows? So I can't speak for my cousin. I'm only speaking for my father's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they most my, think like that. You know, but yeah. my cousin, maybe, I don't know. Um, my cousin who has this life might be so un might be so fulfilled and be like man i love this i am yeah. so grateful for life yeah and for everything it might be that and yeah, that that's really it that's what everyone's trying to chase or should be chasing anyway it doesn't matter grateful. what it looks like because yeah. to give to give advice at least to give a little scenario of what i dealt with um i moved to nashville tennessee july 2019 and i toured the world between july and I was touring the world until the end of, I was just touring the world with the artists I was playing with. And then come December, it was like, well, it's holiday time. And I get a phone call from my buddies who lived in, who were from Australia, but they live in Nashville. And then they were like, Hey dude, are you going home for Christmas? And I was like, uh, not really planning on it. I just moved here. Like, yeah. and he's like, well, uh, we got asked to open up for Keith Urban at wow. to play the Sydney Coliseum. Uh, to open up for Keith Urban to play the Sydney Coliseum for two nights. <laughs> if you're free, do you want to, if you're coming home, would you like to play with us? And I'm like, sure, <laughs> I'll come home. I yeah. gave it, I gave it a reason to come home in December. Yeah. So, um, and I, I think this is a related, uh, this thing relates. Uh, so the conversation could go something like this. When I went home after six months, after social media posting all those oh he's played in arenas he's on the tour bus he's touring the world he's made it Uh i was playing in front of seventeen thousand people in mercedes-benz arena 
and I'm playing and I'm, I'm looking around and I'm like, wow, that's it. I've made it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, letting it sink in. But a few things fought within me. Like, well, that's it? You reach your dream? Is that it? Mm. When I went home, talking to friends and, and, fa- and friends and family and they pretty much people would go, uh, dude, like, did you, did you achieve your, that's it. You, you lived the life you're achieving it. Like, oh man, it's so awesome. Like I, cause this is what everyone's chasing. It's like, I, are you happy now? <laughs> well, and, and truth be told, the answer was, I have no preference. The things that I realized, though around this time, as I'm facing the heights of wherever I was, I hit, I hit a form of nihilism. And uh, which, which pretty much meant that I was like, man, there's, um, happiness wasn't the goal. Mm-hmm. And what I started realizing by when I said I have no preference was the way I pursued life, regardless if I was playing at a wedding, if I was playing at a bar in Sydney, it was if I was playing at my backyard for the if I yep. used to do carols, yep. if I was playing at the Filipino fiesta <laughs> one one weekend for exposure. <laughs> um, be it if I'm playing in front of 17,000 people in this arena in Berlin, Germany. Mm-hmm. It, it hit me where I was like, oh. I was ready. I've done what I love the entire time. Mm-hmm. I don't need this. I don't need 17,000 people. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not grateful for it. But I, it was just a slow rea- realization of to be able to be able to pursue the highest the highest thing, at least in my head, to be able to pursue or at least accept the highest mm, goal or yeah. form of happiness requires to be able to understand the very complete opposite of suffering. And by that, I mean, the higher you go, you understand how high you could fall. Okay. If you just complete, if you're only chasing happiness, that's foolish. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're chasing if, but if you pursue to be you authentically, regardless of where you are, that's the goal in life. That, I, I, I understand that because I think I, I was talking to, well, it's crazy to me when someone that we, like we were saying, people perceive is at the highest of highs. Um, he, Ray Seffo, former world k1 kickboxing champion was saying the same thing that the some of the greatest moments of his life was the being present in the moment of of the process or his journey yeah 
and that was the dream for him. And Kobe yeah. says it too. Yeah. It's crazy that while you're saying this, I'm, I, I was hearing all these people that I've listened to in um, interviews or I've talked to, they say the exact same thing, that the dream is actually the journey. And yes. it's crazy. When you said that, I was just like, you know, Kobe said that. He goes, the, the goal is not to be NBA champion. You know, the goal is actually everything that you've done through the journey to reach that. And that's the real dream. He, Every single moment. Every, Every single, it's the it's the gratitude and living in the moment wow. is what I realized at that moment playing in front of seventeen thousand people. Yeah, that I was like, oh, <laughs> there's there's no difference. Yeah, I've been that guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same. <laughs> I've been. It's not like I made it now and that's it. Yeah. I'm like, I felt untethered, and. Mm. It, what I'm saying is life isn't about, isn't just only enjoying the highs, but understanding that the lows is, are equally important. So yeah. um, to appreciate, I mean, to appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way to be able to appreciate the high. Yeah. The and you can't, <laughs> you can't get, you can't get to a peak if you don't understand how, how low it is that you can go. Yeah. If you don't, but here's even a challenge for some people that um, the only reason that I am I am able to pursue these heights, and the only reason I am able to pursue the highest that I can, is because I don't need it. Because I don't need to. That's the only reason. Like the only reason why I feel like I'm achieving more and more and more and more is because I don't need it to represent who I am and I don't need it to be happy. Yeah. Some people chase and chase and chase and work hard and do all this stuff. And then they still decide to kill themselves eventually, mm. but not, not suicidal in that sense, though it may happen, but I'm even talking about killing themselves, be it their diet, be it how they treat themselves, be it their mental state, how they yeah. treat the people around them. You know, it's, it's toxic in some shape or form. But my point is when shit happens, yeah, it's like, man, that's part of it. Like um, I always told myself, you know, like I was never anti-tattoo. I never really got, I, I never got one, but I always told myself if I did get a tattoo, it had to be something that I completely believe in or something that I really, 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 truly believe in yeah. until the day those moments when i started realizing that and late and recently i got this <laughs> i only got like it's like it means it's like the white is only as white as as the black is only as black when you're when if white is good if that's how you want to see it if white is your dreams and your career and your aspirations of beauty and and success the larger that gets the more you get the more your dreams get achieved and the higher the position you are in your career, you know, what also e equals the black, the black the chaos. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's always equal every single time. Mm. It's never going to be, it's never going to overpower one side or not. Mm. You know, it's always going to be equal to its, to its moment. And life isn't the white and life isn't even the black life is the line in between being able 
being able to understand and see that, hey, did I enjoy every single moment or did I appreciate every single moment? Because yeah. if I did, if you don't, then you're just going to be like, oh, because who cares what has happened when you're 75 or 80 or 90 in your deathbed? Yeah. If you were, if you didn't enjoy every single moment, all mm-hmm. the sh- crap that you have, the career, the NBA rings, the, the championships, the arenas, the Grammys, the whatever it might be, it's gone. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I think that it's a hard concept to understand, though, to completely untether yourself and let go of even worldly desires, of Mm. worldly aspirations. Because the only reason, the best are up there. I'm talking about the best. I'm talking about the ones that love the art completely Mm -hmm. and wholeheartedly and will change the world. Those are the ones that don't need, they don't need it. You know, I feel for the people that go, I need, I need, I need to be, the, I need to, well, the pandemic is a great example of, of, of like, I need to be working or I'm no one, yeah. but I wanted to remind people that like, man, the pandemic, the pandemic was so good at reminding people that you can lose stuff that you don't even like, <laughs> Makes sense. you know, hundred percent. they could, that world can take away everything from you even stuff that you didn't even want to do yeah <laughs> it's like might as well do what you love 100 percent. and i've spoken about that on here how this podcast started and how i've had time to think and create something like this during mm-hmm. that pandemic but that's for mm-hmm. sure um i want to ask i know that you have a person uh one of the boys at the back there um in that in in your studio room right sure and um well what do you what have you guys got going on today because are you guys recording or uh well as you're just hanging uh, out the, the beauty of being your own boss allows you to just do whatever you want and right now after this we're thinking of watching the dave Chappelle. oh <laughs> yeah dave- it. it's been- <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> i haven't seen it yet you're gonna but, love um, it right? knowing you you're gonna love it you're in every way <laughs> this is he- joel guptill so he's a he's a He's a singer-songwriter from Nova Scotia, Canada, and he moved here to the U.S. a, lot, a while ago. And I met him through. Good on you, mate. I I met him through um, uh, an event that I started during the pandemic called the Pitch Meeting. And yeah, so I was going to get into that, and I want sure. you to. So I know you've created something in regard uh, called the Pitch Meeting. So are you able to explain what, how this all came about? So uh, the idea happened when. Uh, uh, mid-pandemic, August 2020, obviously the gigs haven't returned. And I, I, long story short, I had this idea of just like, hey, we're in Nashville, Tennessee. There should be, a, there should be an open mic night. And if we, if, if we imagine ourselves what an open mic night looks like, it's pretty much someone just signing up on a list and then playing a song. Yeah. Uh, but I want it to be original music, like songs people wrote, not mm-hmm. like, like oh, I'm gonna covers sing. like in the Philippines. Covers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want someone that, <laughs> banda, banda. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted them to uh, perform, like you know, rather than them just performing their song, and that's it. I wanted them to have a backup with a full band backing them up on the spot. It's like uh, we have a house band. I'm in the house band, and during yeah. the pandemic, I was just like, hey, 
there's a band here. If you want to use the band, sure. Um, it, it's pretty much just an idea that I started that generated. Um, it, it was a communal idea that I wanted to just bring people together with music, uh, be it be it regarding, uh, but focusing on original music, but also uh, having this opportunity to give them, give artists, musicians, because that that just sign up an opportunity to play with like, well, a professional band. Give them a platform. Yeah, pretty much. Give them a voice of like, hey, here's a place. Because like I said, I'm playing in front of 17,000 people. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I love this. And I'm playing for my artists and I'm letting her rip a guitar solo. And I'm just like doing all this stuff. I'm having fun. But I was like, you know what will mean more? If I set a path for others to be able to do the same. Every time you talk, it's crazy because it just springs up everything. Like everything you say, there's value to it. And it just makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. As in, when you said, "How, what, what is it that's gonna make me feel even more whole?" Um, before I forget the thought in my head of what you just said, is Kobe was once asked, and Kobe Bryant was once mm-hmm. asked, "What is your definition of greatness?" And he could have said the five championships, um, MVP, scoring eighty-one, you know, all the all his accolades. But what he said was. I think that my definition of greatness is how do I inspire a person to inspire another person to inspire another person to create something that's truly timeless. Yeah. And you saying what you're saying now is everything that is. Well, it's, it's so unifying, isn't it? It's like that those traits are so universal for the people. So one of the best affirmations I got was from this guy named Michael Holland. He's a retired inventor mm-hmm. and uh, very well off, but retired. Um, just to give you, m- many people may, may not know him. You know, Kobe is obviously, <laughs> yeah. everyone knows. Yeah. But this guy is the guy that uh, he, his, he has patents everywhere. It's like over 90 patents. But without him, you know, the coax cable that plugs into every television that plugs into the antenna, like, so that coax cable is what makes sure that your TV has signal signal. Yeah. He's the one that designed that. Yeah. So like without him, but it's every single television in the world. It's not just like, oh, it's some, you know, like every television in the world would have this thing. And he said this to me, he's like, man, what I noticed about you is you help build up others. Of my 35 years of being a CEO and leading and, and, you know, and running a very well-off company wasn't, wasn't the money, wasn't even the success. It was 35 years of showing others that they could be better. Mm-hmm showing others that they could be better or they could be more than what they even dreamed, dreamt of or dreamed of. Um, it's a constant affirmation as you, you even talk about your heroes talking about the same thing. And it's an affirmation because, well, it's not like I read it in a book and I'm like, how to be successful, thing like this. It's, it's, 
sometimes a natural desire that you have to allow. Yeah. You know, because you can't fake wanting, you can't fake wanting the best for others. But I tell a lot of people, I am the most selfish person I know. And like that sort of sometimes doesn't make sense to some people. It's like, oh, but you're giving opportunities for everyone. Blah, 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 blah. And I go, I know. But the only reason why I can give so much is I ensure that I take care of myself first. first yeah. Like if you give when you when you when you have nothing to give, you're giving nothing. Mm. You're only giving because of pride. Sometimes it's okay to say no when you can't. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to go, I can't give right now because I need to take care of myself. For sure. But by that, by when I say I'm selfish, is I mean that I make sure that I'm good. I make sure that I don't have to worry about anything. I make sure that I don't have to, because whatever it is that I'm pursuing, I pursue it wholeheartedly yeah. with no compromise. Mm-hmm. And like Kobe would not have inspired others if he wasn't working on being the best himself. You are. You know? Yeah. Like I can't inspire others if I'm not taking care of me. Yeah. And a lot of times we have this, even the Christian mindset of giving is sometimes like give till it hurts. And I'm like, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, like, <laughs> um, yeah. And yes. Okay. We can get religious here, but even using Jesus, okay, right. Like give till like you die from it. Well, God had everything already. It's not like Jesus is God, right? So it's not like, it's not like he, look, he even died and he gave everything he got. It's like God had already everything. And he's like, I want to give more. And mm. if we, if, if we really mean what we say that like God decided to go down and it was him, mm-hmm. it's not two separate entities. It's not like there's Jesus and then there's God. That's, that's one. Yeah. Um, my point is the only reason why, if we go religious with it, with it is God could give everything is because he had everything. But if you give, if you have nothing, that's mm. not giving. That really isn't. Yeah. You know, like you make sure that you are good yeah. before you give to others because they're, because it's, it's not only healthy for you and it's not just only noble. It's also smart. It's not just working hard. It's working smart. Mm. If you want to give, don't just give hard. Give smart. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even like, don't, don't just like, all right, give as much fish as you can to everybody. Really? That's the answer. What about teach a man to fish? For sure. You know, that's, that's in that same, it's yeah, the same it's concept. Because I know people that, you know, you, you would know as well, our family or so. Um, oh, some will, exactly. will give so much to the Philippines, um, to family in the Philippines and give, give, give. And those people are there waiting and they put it up on their Facebook. Thank you, uh, Tita, or thank you, Kuya, thank you, Ate, whatever. Because and they, it's because they are expecting something or money from us. Yeah. But what that does is allow them to not strive for anything that they want to do. So it's the same kind of concept. So I get you with that. Yeah, like I, I've had like that many conversations with my family too. That it's like, um, why are you giving when you don't have anything to give? Yeah. Like, no, but they're poorer than us. They're more, and I get that. And I understand that. But imagine putting yourself in a position where you are so well off that when you give, it doesn't hurt you. Yeah. 
you know you you can give so much more or hurt them it's more effective yeah it's more it's actually more effective yeah. and it actually promotes growth or at least it promotes um direction somewhere yeah. else you know? I, get and I, you. i think i think that's the same concept of at least why why i you know why i i want to be able to give in what way or form and the only way i can give and i tell this to people is you have to be selfish i know it sounds sort of um mm. you know like what why like selfish giving but that's what i mean it it, it means that you give with potency rather than just yeah. like till it's your last breath and you and you run out mm, no i get you so and that's what you're doing now with pitch meeting that's pretty much what it is man yeah like that's a sum that's a summary of it to like if people want to find out more about it obviously you can check it out on instagram and all of that stuff but just google um, it and it'll come up on billboard <laughs> it's crazy you've been interviewed by billboard but that's that's the point of it man like it, it was a i i can talk about the the logistics of all of it and what it all does but i mean at least the spirit of it is i think the most important for sure if for whoever's interested in seeing what it is fine we can dig deep into that and you can check it out but i think the spirit of it really is that it's it's more in the sense of like um well i've achieved it i've done it like i've done the arenas and like what's next more arenas really is that like is, <laughs> what's it's not like there's going to It's not like there's going to be a, an arena on the moon and that's the next goal. Yeah. It's like my point is um what how can we create a path for others? And but at least set, setting a path but here's the catch. It's setting a path for others to be able to do the same but with the motto of no compromise. It's it's yeah, it can have it can look like music and music is the vessel. But the thing inside is no compromise it's more of the spirit of what i'm trying to do and how i'm living and what i'm trying to chase and that's all it is yeah it's crazy because i had a whole set of questions right go ahead to ask yeah. you yeah. but um you're <laughs> when you when you're talking you're basically answering everything that i wanted to ask you <laughs> so I, then, <laughs> i for the people listening at home i i hacked into jem's computer and i saw all of it and i'm just like oh, you're I'll like yeah, next next <laughs> but um you know it's crazy that you you're just going through every single thing that i that i wanted to know that that's going on over there um about you but you're you've already answered them but um you know looking back now what's some of the best highlights and things you've learned along the way and has there been a point where even during the pandemic where you thought no nah, i can't do this anymore and just want to go back uh, knowing from what you've already said that highlights uh a highlight would be like of course like i, I i've appreciated everything along the way but a highlight would be this um whoever the person is that I give an opportunity to whoever it might be but it's when I get the message in the side and it's not even a post it's not a post it's not a it's just a dm yeah because the only the only audience is myself yeah it's not for the world to see it's not trying to like flex or show this stuff but a young an artist that just went to me 
because of the COVID. Like, I haven't played music in over a year. And being able to play at the pitch meeting saved my life. After the performance, I sat down in my car and I just cried. And I'm like, dude, like, thanks for trusting us with your music. And I think I use that as the highlight is because every single person that I've met, I just try to be honest with myself. And when I meant that, it's like, man, that goes for you too. Whatever I share with you all that long ago, it's about ensuring that was I pursuing truth? Did I mean what I say? Was I decisive with the words that I was picking? And, and I can't just give you advice because advice is nothing without me actually showing that I meant what I say, you know? So it's all these people around that, that's why I keep going because I'm like, man, I owe it to myself and I owe it to every single person that's ever asked me for advice. Yeah. You know, that's a highlight. That's a hi the highlight would be being able to share that life with people, be it some random guy I've never met that was very grateful, be it you just was like, man, I remember the advice you ever gave me, <laughs> be it someone who doesn't ever need to tell me anything. But, you know, life is messy and it can be dark and grim sometimes, but I just want people to see that the gratitude is what's going to make sure that whatever you're pursuing is worth it every day. Now mm -hmm. that's a highlight because I get affirmations from all these people all the time that pursuing whatever it is that they want to share and whatever they want to pursue. And they say, man, you're living the dream. And I'm like, well, I have no preference is my answer. When people like scratch, like, what does that mean? But I love that we got to talk about it a bit in depth. Yeah. Of what I mean by that. Absolutely. But do I have any regrets or like, uh, did I want to give up at one point? Well, I'll say this to be able to pursue, to be able to pursue the highest thing that I want, I would have been able to tackle and understand the weight of not wanting to do it. They're equally as powerful forces, always titans bat battling constantly. They need to. Because like it's the reason why I'm up here is because I have the same ex exact acceptance of, of, okay. Just to summarize it a bit. A lot of people go, man, what's, what's the worst thing that could happen? And sometimes people don't realize how deep that, how heavy that question is. They're like, man, you should do this because what's the worst thing that could happen? Or like, man, don't say that because what's the worst thing that could happen? It's, it's nice and beautiful and it makes sense because it's a, sort of like a little push and affirmation for someone to pursue something. But the highest in this, in this yin and yang isn't arenas. The highest is living. And what's the lowest? Killing yourself. <laughs> That's the darkest thing anyone can ever tackle. If you face that in your life, if you sort of face that head on and clash with the purpose of living, 
man, that's the worst thing that could happen. The worst thing that could happen is you killing everyone around you and killing yourself. That's the worst thing that could happen. You don't realize the power that you have in the other side, meaning the power that you have to take away life, man, that you have power to create the complete opposite of, of suffering. Mm. That's what I mean when people, when I sort of want people to realize the weight of their, their power. Yeah. It's like the power isn't just like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I lose my job and then I go move back home. No, what's worse than that? Well, I become homeless. No, (laughs) what's worse than that? It can get worse. Humans have, humans have, well, historically have done the most horrible things in the world. Yeah. But that same human instinct, power, skill, whatever it might be, has the same power to go to the, to plan on going to Mars. To do the greatest things. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. To achieve the greatest in the world. (laughs) It's the best. I think that that's to to ask, like, have I ever wanted to give up (laughs) or those kinds of questions? Man, I I battle every time of the beauty and suffering of the world. Mm. You have to. To, com- to completely untether yourself and know that what you're pursuing is true. Yeah. I love that. I feel like I'm getting lost in all your words and I'm just here just listening to everything. But And then I look up and I go, I, I got a few more questions and I know we've been here for a while now and you you probably got some things to do on your Sunday night out there and I still <laughs> got to go back to my, to, to work. Um, I, I have a, a lot, lo- sorry, I have a few last questions um, sure. before we wrap it up. First of all, um, who are some of your biggest inspirations? Hmm. Uh, well, uh, obviously my parents. Yeah. The, the, two, the lesson I already showed you with my dad was whatever I pursue, it has to be Olympic level. And yeah. what I learned from my mom was do it with humility. Whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, my parents will always be you know, big influencers. Um, musically, of course, I can name them all off the bat, but um, uh, a great author named Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you've ever read his book. I've heard, I've heard of, of his work. Uh, yes. 12 Rules for Life, if you ever want to have a read of that. That, that inspired yep. me a lot. Um, but 12 Rules of Life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, we can, we can edify and, and, and idolize many people, but you know, it all, you know, cause those people still existed. Every single person in the world has still existed, but it always comes back to how you've been brought up, especially yeah. parents. hundred yeah. percent. Makes so, a lot of sense. You know, like Kobe could have, Kobe existed and your parents not being good parents, you would have just used that and be like, be resentful with your life. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. Um, last question that I really want to ask you is: uh, You've kind of uh, gone through that, gone through parts of it already, but I want to know what do you think stops people from pursuing and chasing the the passions and making it the reality? Fear, every time. That's the only one. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. Like. But if you really step back, eventually the people up there, they step back and those fears don't exist. 
you're only ever chasing, there's only ever two things that's happening in every, any constant, in any constants. It's either you're chasing love or you're running away from fear. Mm. That's all it is. That's the only two things that's ever happening ever in life. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can either be, you can either just chase what you love or run away because you fear. Fear is the only thing that's ever stopping anyone from doing anything. Oh, I don't want to pursue a, like a food truck because that's not going to be good because I'm scared of, well, I'm not going to be able to make money. I'm not going to be able to take care of my family. I'm not going to be able to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, this pandemic happened and you just lost that safe job, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so what's the point of fearing anything? Uh -huh. It's like fear will always be the driving force of why someone doesn't do exactly what they want to do. Yeah. It's fear. It's the only, it's the only thing until they realize that the opposite of fear isn't bravery. The opposite of fear is love. Pursue what you love. Mm. And if love means, and I'm not even saying give up every responsibility, like, if you want to be the best father in the world, pursue that. If you want to be the best packing plant guy, pursue that. But be mm. the best because you love it. Be the best because you love yourself. Yeah. You know, fear is the only thing that we always compromise with. We say like, oh, I don't want to move countries because it's scary. And uh, I don't want to move countries because let's even not go a bit too out. But let's go. I don't want to do this because my job here is secure. I have a good pay rate they pay me dental whatever it's like when you say all this stuff <laughs> it's just like so what <laughs> exactly it's, it's like it's like so fear fear will always be a great influencer and the decider of your life until yeah. you finally let go and start realizing oh you have nothing to lose yeah you know I I have something to add in, in into in, in regards to fee. I I feel like when when it comes to fee, people like Mike Tyson have said that fee. Um, he was very fearful every time he was about to step in the ring. Mm -hmm. But he used that fee to negate and to knock out his opponents because he didn't want to be embarrassed or he didn't want to, um, you know, lose. He, he, mm -hmm. So he put on that fee that he had in his chest onto the other people. And I think that's another way that you can go about in regards to fee, like a fear of being mediocre or fear of mm -hmm. not doing the things that you love. Mm -hmm. As in, you always wanted to travel around the world or you always, you know, everyone's different. You, always, you wanted to live in the UK and teach there or mm -hmm. live in the Philippines and start at this or that. But people should use that fee, fear of regretting not doing the th things that they love. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's in the same vein, that they will always sure. exist. Like I said, love and fear will always, will exist. always exist. Yin yeah. and yang will always exist. <laughs> it's going to be there. It's like, it's either, it's like, but that's what I'm saying. It's like the acceptance of, it, it's a bit, it, this is a bit too, maybe a Buddhist kind of mindset of untethering and let it go. The fear of losing something means nothing because the joy of gaining something does nothing to. For sure. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit like, what, what do you mean by that? What I mean is life goes on with or without you. Mm. It's like, 
And that's another thing. Yeah. You know, life Time goes is so on. Short life, out here. Yeah, right. You know, we've been realizing all these little things. I, it made me realize when Kobe passed away on a plane crash, who would have thought that your hero, that uh, like, uh, you know, someone that you've always looked up to mm-hmm. in that sense as, as a celebrity, his energy is now, but his energy is still around the world. But he has just gone like that. The guy that got up from everything and he was gone like that. Meaning yeah. it's so fragile. Life is so fragile. Yeah, so right. why wait? That's what I mean. Like, that's what I mean by you got nothing to lose. That's all I meant lose. by that. Yeah. Like Makes that's that's my what I meant. Like your pursuit is as equal as it not meaning anything. Yeah. Yep. It's like you can either choose to chase everything or choose to be resentful with it. That's all. Mm-hmm. Ah, dude. I appreciate oh, man. you, man. No, you I are- pre- look, I appreciate you for this is just like how we had talks 10 years ago, uh, 15 <laughs> years ago when we were, I was in YFC with you. Uh, everything that you've ever said to me, I appreciate all our conversations that we've ever had. You know, thank you for sharing your story and all your experiences. And I'm just going to keep watching from afar all of the things that we see as success, but to you is, you know, um well, when you're welcome here anytime dude you visit me you I, go home here. yeah i i for sure will come out um in the next year few years i'm gonna I, i've never been out the south you saw me when i was traveling i'm always mm-hmm. around Miami, you know miami new york la yeah yeah, yeah 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 all that but um i for sure will come visit you if we go to the u.s again or bring chels i want to give you I your flowers <laughs> and i just want to say you know a kid from blacktown that's chased these dreams it's crazy and um, you've made it happen. So thank you for inspiring, not just myself, but all those people through pitch meeting and many people around the world. Thank you, dude. Thank you for letting me share my story. And I'm glad that you continue, you know, you're, you're doing the same thing, you know, you're, you're in choosing to give people voices and a platform and you're trying to inspire people around you. So it's the same thing. We're just a <laughs> reflection of each other. If you think about yeah. it. For sure. And I, and I want you to know that you have played a big part in that, even if you haven't thought of it or, but me looking back, I never thought, you know, like Kuyo Eric's actually had such an impact on my life, but now me looking like actually thinking about it, all these little conversations must have been ingrained in, in ways and me going to YFC as well. Um, and seeing how you were and so loud and everyone was, <laughs> everyone loves this guy. He's funny. I must have took that away and gone back to school at Paddy's and tried to replicate it in a way. Or, you know, as I grown up, like trying to be the loudest one at the party in a way, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I you were it. that guy. And I always looked up like this guy's so funny. Everyone loves him. Everyone thinks he's so funny. I need to be like, him. <laughs> but um, yeah. uh, you're a good dude, man. Thank you. I want to thank you. So how can we find uh, for people that are listening and watching, how can we find you? Uh, so you can find me on, well, like I don't have, I don't really use Facebook. So the, the closest place you can find me is on my Instagram at S O O hungry. So hungry. Uh, <laughs> if you want to follow me there, uh, you can check out all my adventures and all my links are all on there. And you can check out uh, my nonprofit organization, the pitch meeting, uh, the pitch meeting. You'll find it all on Instagram. It's all yep. over my, yep. it's all and over I'll- my Instagram and all of that stuff, <laughs> but I appreciate you. dude. Thank you. Thank you. I'll leave all the links down below. Once again, Eric Fortalesa. Thank you, dude. Thank you. If you guys are new to this channel, I want to thank you for watching throughout this whole hour or so with our interview with Eric Fuertelesa. Um, it was good to be able to catch up with him. 
and see the things that he's up to these days and the big great things that he's been able to achieve since the time we used to always see each other at church. Um, I also want to shout out our sponsors, Cyber One Systems. If you guys need any assistance with your IT or setting up a website, even creating and developing an app, give them a call or you can, I've got the email down below, give them an email or send them an email, sorry. And we'll see you next time.